Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. I'm going to be as normal as possible today. I don't know if normal. I don't know if we can be normal. (laughs) There will be no discussion of Q Lazarus music. Okay. There will be be no uh, eating liver with Chianti beans and all that good stuff. No liver and onions. No. No, I Uh, know what you were referring to, though. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any housekeeping for us? Um. Do I? Yes, I think I have, you do. To, I have to determine whether I do anymore. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, for those of you that listen regularly, you can join the Practical Guitars Facebook group. Jim and I like to talk to people. It'd be really good if you join it. <laughs> Shut up, Jim. <laughs> and as always, you can review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever the hell else you found our podcast. Put it a little life to, into it. <laughs> feel free to, to leave us a constructive review, because if it's not constructive, we might deconstruct it. Yes. Um, you can reach out to us directly on the Practical Guitarist Podcast at gmail.com email address. Jim and I do respond to that, um, and we often respond via the show. So, yes. anyway... So we, we, well, we got a couple things to talk, we talk about. about the, why don't we talk about the um, product that we tested this week? Yes. So in last episode, if you haven't listened, you can yes. go back. It's in the beginning. You have to listen to the whole episode. You can listen to Jim's audio clips of his new PRS guitars. Yes. Jim, do you care to elaborate? Yeah. So you will hear um, two guitars. It's up to you to figure out which one is which. The... Uh, Soundbite starts with both guitars. One is a PRS CE24 2017. The other one is a 2018 PRS SE Custom 24 um, with a Floyd Rose. Give it a listen. Um, It starts out with both of them. Then it goes to guitar A, guitar B, guitar A, and guitar B. See if you can tell which one is which. And tell us what you hear different between the two. All right. Now I'm going to count to three, Jim. And then you're going to make the big reveal of which is which. One, two, three. Guitar A is the CE24, and guitar B is the SE. Now, so for those of you who are uninclined or uninitiated on PRS, the SE guitar is a Korean-made instrument. Yes. The CE guitar is an American-made instrument. With a bolt-on neck. Yeah, well, bolt on neck, and then the other one's got a the uh, the Korean one's also floated. So and the yes, and so the the um, other thing to remember about the two guitars, big difference is um, the Korean guitars pickups are made in Korea. The um, hardware made in Korea. The guitar itself has a uh, carved maple top, um, but the there is a uh, um, what do you call that veneer for the look. Um, obviously, the American. Um, is the CE is um, got a carved maple top as well, <clears throat> not quite as deep as a uh, an American uh, what they call the core models, but um, it's got the American S eighty five fifteen pickups in it, where the Korean model has the Korean made eighty five fifteen 
pickups in it. So if you don't hear a difference, or if you hear a very slight difference, it's not really that surprising. They were very well voiced. And I, and I have to admit, this is the first time, like, I can listen to burst, you, could, you can give me your best set of Epiphone burst buckers and your crappiest set of Gibson burst buckers, and I'll tell you the difference any day of the week. Just play yeah, me one they're chord. Very, they're very different. Uh, and I'll tell you which one is which. Uh, any day. I, I guarantee it. But these, these, I have to admit, the chords, that's why I did, um, I played uh, single notes and I played chords to see, okay, and I played power chords on the low end uh, and, and uh, chords on the high end to see, okay, which one is articulating more. <clears throat> and honestly, they are very, very close. I have to give kudos to um, PRS, and I'm I'm going up there June <clears throat> 9th for the PRS experience. <clears throat> how um how close are the? Because I because I you know after listening to the clips, obviously the SE is just just a hair darker. Yep. How close are they in person? Are they that? Are they as close as they are in the recording? They are just as close. I gotta be honest. I'm like, God dang, you know, they they just like this. And the other thing, I was trying to get to you, and that's gonna kind of segue into the next thing we did. Um, is um, as far as the uh, the tremolo bar, because yeah. you've got a little bit because it, the the CE's trem um, floats. It's not right. a true locking mechanism like Floyd Rose. So it doesn't float as far. You can't get as much um, of a back. Right, and it doesn't have a locking nut either, so no. it's not going to stay in tune as well. But but I can tell you right now, I beat the crap out of it to test it to see if I could knock it out of tune. I was able to, but it took a lot. And yeah. I just, I mean, that is not what, the way I typically play something like that. I mean, that's why yeah. I got a locking. What... Um, the truth is that man, I was I was impressed. I'm impressed all the way around with both guitars. You know what I was? You know what I was not impressed with? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the only thing that I was not impressed with. See this right here? It's shaped like a a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm showing him the tag that comes on the guitar. The the core guitars come with a bird shaped tag. Why the S- can't they give me a bird shaped? The SE comes with a soft case, though, Jim. They both came with a soft case. I was actually kind of oh, that's right. The CD does too. So you, but I'm gonna say <clears throat> so. Those two thousand dollar guitar with a soft at, case. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, those of you who are looking at the, uh, what is it? The S two model. Yeah, the S two. You're hard pressed to get an S two at this point. The SEs are so damn good. Yeah, there was no reason to get an S two over the SE. Unless you absolutely need yeah. an American... Um, well, no, or you were looking at a specific model that's not offered in the SE range. For example, a Mira. Oh, yeah, or, yeah the Mira. Or if you want a satin finish, like, that's the reason to go to an S2. Well, they do have some, not as many. There are some satin finishes in the SE line, not as many. Yeah, but the ones I've seen are not, they're not the same as the uh, S2 satins. I think stuff, as far so. as the, the playability, the only ones I would probably still, uh, I don't know, I haven't played the 2018s yet. Because they have made changes, but the standard models weren't. They need a good set. Them. They need a good setup, in my opinion. I played yeah. some SCs that the action was too high out of the box and things yep. like that. That's um, on purpose. That is on purpose. Yeah. Remember, that's the student edition. They're, they're, the target audience is who? Who's your 
Who's your target? Um, first-time guitar buyers. Right. Relatively first or second-time guitar buyers. You're still looking at a person that's got a little bit of, they, they've got a little bit of money. Once you break that $500 mark, you got a little yeah. bit of money, right? Um, where the standards are under are sub $500. So I think they're looking at the weekend warrior market with the SEs more than they are beginners. That's right. But the SEs, right. And they're, and they're looking for right folks who they're playing on weekends. They're, they don't want to put their expensive guitar out there, you know, to, so, <clears throat> um, yeah. Who are they up against in that, in that, uh, they're up against Mim, Mim Fenders, right? Epiphone. Epiphone. Ibanez. Yeah, I know. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I wish I had that Epiphone. Yeah. Except what an Epiphone gotta, on that tattoo, man. All right, man. I got to say this. I got to say this. I have seen an Epiphone. I'm kind of interested in playing. And that's the new, um, uh, who's a guitar player now for Judas Priest? Stepped in for, um, I don't, I don't know who it is. I anyway, don't know who it is. they've got a flying V I really want to check out. I, I know. Flying V, right? I kind of want to check it out. I'd rather have a faded one, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that the fade, the, the faded, yeah, the flying V that Epphone's um, putting out for this guy, freaking incredible. Freaking incredible. All right. But anyway, I haven't played it yet. Maybe it, it's maybe it's shit in person. I just, um, I, but anyway. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't matter at, if it's good or not. It doesn't excite me. If you look at, yeah, but you can say, I mean, you look now, Paul Reed Smith went, you know, what was the one reason people aren't buying? He he's the guy that listens, yeah, to, the, to people. So, you know, they a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you're not making left-handers." Now he's making left-handers. Yes, yes. Uh, people were getting down on him about this and that. They were saying, "Well, the SE just says SE," you know, just like Epiphone. It says Epiphone. So he he put the script on the headstock. Yeah. He was like, yep. "All right, you know what? Psh, script on the headstock." If they 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 have muddier pickups, Psh, here's fix that. Here's these articulate pickups. Yeah, their pickups are really, really damn good now. The 2018s really they they fixed them. Well, they yeah they they started in 2016 into 2017. They started advancing the pickups in different and instead of doing the whole line like okay everybody gets the same thing. The Tremonti's got it first, I think. Um, and then um, you started to get it in the Santana SE. Yeah, I which, think the Zach Myers also had it. Yep, the Zach Myers. That was the guy I was trying to think of. The who is it? Not Mark Holt. Is it Mark Holcomb? Yeah, but the Zach Myers. The reason why I said Zach Myers because that's their most popular selling guitar right now. Is it really? Yes. The Zach Myers. Yep. The SE the Tramp, Trampus Green Semi Hollow. Yep. It's pretty cool. Um, and then you've got, of course, the the Custom Twenty Two and the Custom Twenty Four and the and the Floyd Rose. Yep. So you've got, and, and that's the thing about you can you can name Paul Reed Smith's guitar lines that fast. Yep. You got the Santana. They don't make too many models. No. Hey, who do we think in the industry could learn from that? Let's not talk about that now. Fender. No. <laughs> I, mean, I look at so, right. I look at a Telecaster and I'm like, which Telecaster is this? I just want I want one of the ones that has got. Why can't they give me a maple neck with a with a um the offset humbucker thing in the neck and the um, single coil on the bridge? Why can't they do that? Sub fourteen hundred dollars. No, the ones underneath. Okay, here's two humbuckers and fourth. If I wanted that, I'd buy a Les Paul. And um, here's uh, you know, um, but Jim, they're easily modifiable. Two humbuckers. And, yeah, but <laughs> why can't I get it out of the box? No shit, right? Why can't We're I get fifty um, fucking models except yeah. for the one that somebody wants? How come I can't get the Mim model 
Made in Mexico, for those who don't know what Mim J- is. Jim, you just must be weird. That's all it is. I don't know. I, I guess. I am. I'm weird. I am strange. I, I want... You know what? You're not that weird, because I'll tell you right now. What is the famous Telecaster? Now, there's two of them, and I'm not talking about the no-caster. Right. But the famous Telecaster that Jeff Beck had that he got from Seymour Duncan. What did it have in it? What did it have in it? Walker in the bridge. That's right. And I believe it had Tele pick up in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a very famous guitar. That's right. And, and it has get that fiction. Nope. Nope. Can't get it. Sorry. Can't get it. You got you to buy that custom shop. Why do it, I have to buy a custom shop? Why do I have to mod? Tellies are a little harder than strats. Strats are Legos. Strats are cool in that they're Legos. You can buy... You can buy. Surprise you how modifiable Telly is now. You can buy a um, pick guard for a strat and all the others. Yeah, but some of the telecast because of the way that the telecaster. Um, you have to replace modified. the bridge. What's you that? Have to replace the bridge. You have to replace the bridge before right. you do anything. Right. You got to replace that bridge. Yep. Which sucks, but that's best part of the shenanigans. Yep. So. And then and then you know, again, you get to Paul Reed Smith and you go, all right, and I'm I'm. <laughs> You smell like cork? Um, uh, oh, we did that last cast. Um, yeah. You, you had a sinus infection, I remember. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yep. What was it? I had a badass... Uh... No, 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 no. You need this the smart-ass smart sinus procedure. Smart-ass sinus procedure. Um, no, if you, if you look, Paul is making modifications to make his guitars better. I can say that... A PRS now is better than an... I wouldn't go back and go, you know what? I would rather have an 85 PRS. Or I would rather have a PRS with Dragon 2 pickups in it. No, I, I like the stuff they're doing now. And they've got the 57... I th- they just started selling the 57... Is it 5708, 5709s? Um, and they'll be selling the um, 8515 soon enough. All right. Okay. And, you know, I agree with you. But here's the problem. PRS... It's now coming on what, like their thirty something anniversary since they went into the like production model. Nineteen eighty five. Yep. It, yeah. Well, that's when they started officially as a business. Right. Right. But they didn't start making production models until like eighty nine. I yeah, don't yeah. think eighty eight like, or eighty nine. Yeah, it was like another four or five years. Yep. But the point, my my point is, they don't have the rich tapestry of history that the other two guys do. Oh, come the other two on. guys are Fender and Gibson, so they don't have no Jim that. You're gonna to have to trust me on this. I get, Ain't nobody walking around talking about buying that that custom twenty four from nineteen eighty five for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. No, they're not. But then again, we've been through this. Now the value the value of something is however much someone is willing to pay for it. Okay, correct. We all correct. know that, right? But correct. Can you or how, really? How many people are after it? Exactly. <laughs> but again, you get to the the person who has the money. And do they have the ability to be able to sniff out, and this is a real sniff out, sniff out that true, really good 59 Les. Just because there's yeah. 10 59 Les Pauls in a pile does not mean all 10 of them are created equal. No, no, but Matter of fact, there's a good chance. They, they don't have a heritage to live up to yet. That's no, right. They don't, because they don't have a, a sought-after, like, holy grail instrument in their back catalog that everybody's do. Having. But it's not. It's not sought after. There is a Holy Grail instrument. It's not sought after, and that's the Santana. The well, Holy Grail is the Santana. The Santana too. 
That really uh, is the holy grail. I knew people that had those. Like that, I don't know about that. I would, I would, I would tend to argue that if it wasn't for the Santana two, because you got to remember, you had the Santana one, Santana two, and the Santana three. If you look at the three of them, the two is is yeah. definitely that's the one that's up here. The three and the one are like this. The two is way up here, and. Um, honestly, that's the one to live up to. Now, if you go, if you go outside of that, it's the custom 22 and a custom 24. That's really it. That's what I'm saying. Those are their classic instruments. That's the way I look at it right now. That is their classic instruments. Right. I don't hear guys walking out of their house going, man, I really want that Santana. And you know what's but funny? I hear plenty of guys going, I want a custom 22 yeah, or a custom it, 24. And what's funny is you're, you're right about that. Yet there are, there are hundreds of nineties albums that, that have, Paul Reed Smith, all over them. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. They're, for sure. And I don't know if they're quality albums, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Um, yeah, you can, you, can, you can argue Puddle of Mud and, and, and um, uh, Nickelback there, but Three Doors Down, you know, those guys. Creed. But I'm just saying. Creed. Yeah. Well, Creed, but then again, but Tremonti. Then, I know, I know. Tremonti, I know. and he's so, one of their top sellers. It's, you know. it's, it's not that, Jim. I'm not, I'm not debating that. T- so here's what I want to, make, want to make clear. I love PRS guitars as much as the next guy, yep. like more so than most people today, I would think. And the fact is, for me, PRS doesn't have the the rich legacy because they started later than like the the classic fifties and sixties and seventies. That's right. Albums. That's right. And and you can't. I mean, you can't fault Paul because he wasn't born. No, it wasn't his fault. He wasn't. Born. He should have been born twenty years before. Right, thirty years before. Now <clears throat> let's take. But he did get Ted McCarty in there. He was smart enough to grab the guy who was who was, you know, in the beginning of Les Paul. And again, that, I thought those McCarty models would become a legacy model for them. That like that still, would be a they're big. Still they're a very huge pop, popular. They're, they're very popular, but it's not like synonymous with the PRS name yet. We're, we're not twenty years in the future. We don't know. That's what I'm saying. No, right. so we don't know what that's going to look like. But but Jim, we also might be in a twenty years in the future where everybody's playing fucking electronic dance music on uh, a laptop. I hope not. So, it's yeah. true, but I hope not. I hope not. But <laughs> and and so. Well, no! So what I was getting at is, so you you take a band like um, uh, Rush. Rush was using early on; they were using Paul Reed Smith. Yeah. Well, Alex was. I mean, obviously. And, and you know, one thing that Paul Reed Smith failed in was no. basses, bass guitars. Yeah, they're starting to bring more out, though, aren't they? Like, yeah, they've they've reintroduced the bass. Well, you know, they failed at amplifiers first too. Yep, they failed at amplifiers. They made they designed on. a crazy high end, insanely. Expensive to manufacture solid state amplifier. Yep, that was outrageously good for the. And I don't think it, I don't think it ever made it in production. No, it, it, I I heard an interview with Paul talking about that. It was a, it was for some scientific reason that they were working on that, and that's how it wound up. They were working on something else, and that wound up being the science behind the amp, and that's. Why there spent, was so much R and D and so there was much a money. lot of R and D money that went into that that just they said fuck it we can't do anything with nope. this There's, because it, it, it was going to be expensive. Yeah, they knew it was it was cost prohibitive. There was no way. But they were talking talking about five thousand dollars in the mid nineties is what I've heard. So yeah, but you take a guy like um, all right. So if it wasn't for if it wasn't for um, Steve Vai, where would Ibanez be right now? It, well, and I'm talking about because he was no, a catalyst. You're, right. you're absolutely right. I mean, he was a catalyst. I right? don't. I don't know guys like. Well, I I I would like to think that um, 
uh, Paul Gilbert would have ended up over there anyway. But I have a feeling Paul ended up there because Satriani and Vi had already put them on the map. I was going to say, I think, okay. Does Satch just deal what with them first? Before, uh, I think Satch and Vi were kind of parallel. That's why I wasn't sure which one. But They're very close, for the, sure. Yeah, here's the thing. So you take Ibanez. What were they famous for before that? Copying. Yeah, the Rick copying. Making well, damn good copies. Yeah, uh, well, they had already started to branch off into making their own models in the '80s, but they didn't have endorses that were worth a damn until well, Vi. When they went, no, they to did because they had like John McLaughlin and stuff at one point. Uh, I don't. <sighs> he wasn't okay. So we all know that that endorsements are about two, especially at that time, it was about two things: being seen in your video with yeah, them. It didn't, yeah, that, didn't actually you're right, matter. You're right. You were, you're absolutely right. And I'm, being seen I'm live with them, and McLaughlin wasn't a guy that was going to do that for them. No, Where and it's Vi, not like, like he's not on the he's not on MTV, so that's what it boils down to. Right. Where Vi was playing for, um, uh, he was in the that Yankee Rose video, and he was in the, um, you know, yeah, but he didn't have the Ibanezes until quite a bit later. He didn't have him until like eighty nine or ninety when he got that deal. But yeah, and that was and that was um, but that was interesting on the fact that he'd already done it. Yeah. And so, so there were people looking at him, and there were people looking for him, and that right, and that was oh, what does he play? What does he got? What? Uh, how can sure. I get that? And uh, so when he introduced, I mean, he introduced the monkey. You, you remember the story he told about the monkey grip? He was like, I didn't think they'd sure. do that. <laughs> then he went, yeah, he basically <laughs> threw that on the guitar because he didn't think they would ever do it, and then they did it. He's like, well, that's the company I'm signing with. And he and he said, but apparently, he said he's it was, getting, he was, it was really cool. Instruments by you know, he said the only reason he put the grip on it was because it's really cool for pictures. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, he was saying like other guitars were actually other companies were actually pursuing him at that point, right? And he asked them to do it, and they didn't. And Ibanez was the only one that did, right? So he was like, "Well, that's Ibanez." I think yeah. I remember reading. I don't think I'm making that up. I think no, I remember I think reading. You, yeah, I think that's right. And and um, the, the point that I'm getting at is though, companies made strides. And I'm going to get back to Paul Reed Smith here. Those companies made strides. Ibanez made strides to make a guitar that Joe Satriani could play. That that was for Joe Satriani. That he, he was like, you know what? I like this about these guitars, but I really wish it would do this. Or I wish, really wish it could do that. And that's exactly. I mean, Vi, even the stupid little monkey grip. He was like, if I could do this, I could I could pose with it better. I mean, the, yeah. the fact is, and you know, it, it's cost. It's expensive to put that monkey grip on the guitar. Yeah. At least in the beginning. Costs a lot of money. Costs, you know, uh, tooling. Yeah. It's all tooled out, and it's all the way through. So, um, and you've got to finish that, and you've got to you've got to um, smooth those edges, because you put your hand in there, you don't want, you know, yep. you want to hurt yourself. So, um, what I'm saying is that these companies were making strides to improve their instruments. Right. To make better instruments for the player. That's the thing. PRS is great player's instruments. Exactly. So they don't op operate in that realm of prestige yet. Um, I think they're well on their way to getting into that realm. Uh, the thing is, guitar has to stay popular if they ever want to achieve that level. And number two, they have to continue to improve. Yeah. Um, now, that's why That's why I think when I look at PRS right now, so PRS is a bigger company in my mind than Ibanez. And the reason I think that PRS has achieved that is because, like you said, Jim, they keep improving everything they do. They don't rest on their laurels. So, like, we look at Gibson. The best pickups that people are all after, the ones that everybody are after, were made in the 50s. Yeah. Like, what the hell? 
They just got worse. Exactly. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Because we all know PAFs, if you haven't heard, everyone sounds totally different. Right. But the whole point is the ones that are sought after were made in the 50s. Right. So they've never been able to do it consistently since. And they've been trying to duplicate those 50s pickups. You hear 57 Classic, 57 This, 57 That. And yet, um, they're not... They're not um, exactly duplicated. I get I get my best PAFs from uh, Great Lakes Custom Pickups. There you go. Me, 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 me. So I mean, <laughs> I smell yep. I smell another yep. cork. Yep. Did you just <laughs> now the um? So Paul Reed Smith. That's that's what I mean. So he went from he he didn't make great pickups in the beginning, and nope. um and the the guitar that that um. Let's face it. What was what was Santana playing before he played a PRS? He was playing, uh, he an was SG. playing the no. He was playing the Yamaha. The, well, Yamaha and the SG. Before it was that, it was right? a Yamaha SG copy, right? Um, and he had a Les Paul before that that he yep. was he was slinging a lot um, around the time of a, so I was say Gibson. around Abraxas. Abraxas, yeah, yeah. yeah around by the time of you, you watch the Black the Black Magic Woman video and. And, uh, well, I've watched some live footage of him playing Europa yeah. around that time. So. Yeah, in Europa, and of course I caught him back then. But the point is that you've got that. Um, so when again, that's the danger that a guy like Paul Reed Smith has to go up against. If you think, if you think um, Alex Lifeson, you don't think about those years he spent playing Paul Reed Smiths. You think about. That ES-335 that he was playing back in the early days, or the Les Paul, or the more the most recent tour where he had the Les Paul with the, with the um, Floyd Rose on it. Now, when was the last time you saw a Les Paul with a Floyd Rose? Well, they make one now, but it's not a common guitar for sure. I mean, no. And I would say even the PRS of the Floyd is not necessarily a common guitar, nope. but they did do it as an SE, yep. which is telling. And they do have a custom 24, um, uh, core. That's, that's, uh, uh, 24. Well, if you go to the core level, you can buy the artist package and you can basically do whatever the hell you want. Exactly. That's what I'm, an extra, I'm, I'm going to save up thousand dollars. Yeah, is that an extra thousand or is it an extra seven hundred? I don't remember. It's seven hundred to a thousand. I know that. I, Plus I know the upgrades. It, it. I'm looking at, uh, you know, doing a custom thing, but I, I keep thinking, do I really want to put together a eight thousand dollar guitar? Because <laughs> that will never go anywhere yep. outside of my That's living thing. room. <laughs> so either you're going to have to get less anal about your gear, yeah, exactly. or or, or you're going to have to take out a fucking mortgage. To it's going to sit. In a, it's going to sit in a glass case with like lights on it. You know, spinning like, like that. A, like a, that USA ASAT I saw at the <laughs> the one music store. Sitting on a spinning, um, you know, ro- um, a rotating Wait. like a, 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 a turntable. You know, for those of you that didn't hear that episode, I walked into a music store and the most expensive guitar that this store had. <laughs> Was a USA GNL ASAT Tele. That's right? so sad. For like thirteen hundred bucks, and it was in a glass case, and you couldn't touch it. Like, what the hell was going on at that store? <laughs> oh my god! And it's not even a bad neighborhood or anything. Like, it's 13, yeah, and it, it, people go there all the time. Thirteen hundred bucks—that is not an expensive guitar. I'm no, sorry, it's not. And, and I apologize to anybody that thinks 
First, the, the, we're, we're the practical guitarists. We don't right. ne- we don't necessarily need to spend a thousand dollars to get. Now, yeah, to get don't a get good me in- wrong. That doesn't mean that you necessarily want to gig a thirteen hundred dollar guitar, but it's certainly right. something you. Probably, when you think about it, yeah, the, I do. But when you think about it, all right, the PRSSE that I've got that's that's thousand dollar guitar. All <laughs> right, nine hundred twenty nine bucks. The um uh the LTD I've got that's nine hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. So, um, that's about a thousand dollars. I'm just la- I'm just like looking at your collection now. And I'm going. Do you, do you really even need the ESP anymore? Like you got two PRSs, the CE. You didn't thin that herd, man. I, I well, the Rickenbacker. Um, that's I got that a deal. I got that a smoking deal. I got that for twelve hundred, new, brand new, and that was back. Um. I get that. 2005, 2006. So it's a 4003 Rickenbacker bass. So um, then, uh, you know, my, my 2001 PRS um, single cut, that was 1700, 1800. The custom 22 was right around 1800 or two grand. Um, so, and my book. My my um Fender Strat was five hundred bucks. Yeah. American made Fender Strat in two thousand and one, five hundred dollars used, yeah. and it was a, and it was a, it was a two thousand. I bought it in two thousand one. So obviously somebody bought it, didn't like it, turned it in, brought it back to right. this small shop in Albany, New York. I got it for five hundred bucks, um, but I put a thousand dollars into it. I'll never get my money out of it. <clears throat> You violated the rule, Jim. I know. I put I put everything in it. I put um uh, uh um LR bags, uh Paizo pickup. Yeah, I've seen this thing. It. This thing is like it's like a Cadillac. Yeah. It's got every stupid thing you don't need on a guitar on it. Exactly. <laughs> and changing the batteries a pain in the ass because they didn't want them to mod the, the um wood. So they put oh, the battery God. underneath the um, thing. So anytime I got to change the yeah, battery, I got to take, take the pick the guard off. off. Take the pick what guard the hell, off. Man. Change out the battery. It's That's the most useless shit. What a pain in the fat is at. You that probably could have. You know what? Actually, I would love if somebody would actually mod. I'm sure somebody's done this. If you see pictures, um, post them in the Facebook group because I'm highly interested. Somebody's modded a, a strat pick guard yeah. where the control cavity, like they have a nine volt battery jack that just like lifts out. And you can put a battery. That in. would be cool. Yeah. Then then I would be able to swap. That then out. you don't have to mod the guitar to yep. have a nine volt battery on it. Um. And that. Um. So anyway, it's got a push. A push push button to go to and from um, the, to turn the acoustic system on and off, and it's got um, uh, so that's a point of failure. Um, <laughs> then it's got a toggle switch. I love the way that you're saying that. Dude. That's a point of failure. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's got a toggle switch, all electric. So it's a it's a really small mini toggle switch, all electric, acoustic ele- and electric, um, just acoustic. I could have had like a stereo thing. Where I could put a piezo out on one, and I didn't want to go through that, so I had to do that. And so they put that little thing in there, and then um, so then I've got the five-way blade, and then I've got locking tuners, a bone or, or a, yeah, bone nut. I, I, too much money. Too much money. Yep, I I would agree. And and, and you'll never get your money out of it. I'll never. Get well, money. it's too much. It's too much effort, Jim. I bet you did all that mod work to the gar- guitar, and you weren't that happy with it. No more happy with it than the day I got it. 
You know what the you know what the one thing I didn't like about it that I still haven't fixed? The back is sticky because it's got that it's got a finished back the, of the neck. Get the fuck out of here. So I haven't you taken all, You put a thousand dollars into it and you still have gloss on the neck. <laughs> get the fuck out of here, Jim. This is bullshit. Still got a glossy neck on the back. Nobody said I was nobody said I was bright. No, it's not that. It's like figure that would be one of the first things you fix. And so I've been looking at um there's a there's a Stratocaster down the road. And I know you've talked if about it's it. still there Wednesday, well I haven't told these people about it. If it's still there Wednesday, I'm gonna pick it up. So when this podcast drops, I may get it. $150. Because yeah, somebody dropped it. It's a Stratocaster. Somebody dropped it. And so Made now Mexico. it's weird how the finished um it looks like a melted candle. Is it made in Mexico or is it? Um, no, it's a it's a um Chinese squire. Yeah, it's squire. In- Indonesian right. or whatever. It's a squire, but it's. But the reason I want to get it is because I'm gonna mod the living shit out of it. I'm gonna pull that thing out. You know what I'm gonna do to that one? I'm gonna turn. You're gonna put another thousand dollars into a guitar gonna, that you're not. I'm gonna, gonna make put it more money. Better, Jim. I'm gonna put a pick guard in it that costs more than the guitar. <laughs> Well, that won't be very I'm getting, hard. <laughs> I'm getting the. Um, have you heard about the David Gilmore EMG set? Yeah, yeah. It's like 300 bucks for that pick guard. Yes. So 150 dollar guitar with a 300 dollar pick guard. Here, let me help you, Jim. Take the guts out of that other guitar and put them into that one, and then get your give Gilmore pick guard and put it into the one that has the LR bag system on it. I, You'll be much happier. Not probably. That's probably <laughs> what I'll do. And I'm going to sand the shit out of the back of that neck. I'm just going to oh, yeah. sand it. I'm going to spend the afternoon watching Family Feud and sanding that thing. Look at me sand away. Jim, <laughs> I cannot describe to our listener. Well, yeah, I what can't because it's explicit. What it looks like. I am so embarrassed to describe what Jim is doing with his hands right now as he... I'm, I'm sanding I'm the back of my neck now. He sands the back of his neck in very much the same way that someone might sand the back of their neck in Game of Thrones, yes, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or one of those other more... Wiener, uh, wiener, wiener. <laughs> God damn one Jim. wiener. Those of you who have not seen the Game of Thrones um, wiener song, the wiener song from South Park, you have to look that up. What's that? <laughs> you got mad at me for Q Lazarus. Hey, this is South Park. South Park is, <laughs> South Park is canon. It is canon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, <clears throat> yeah, and I'm gonna put locking tuners on. I'm gonna do the whole nine yards. I want to get locking tuners for the. Uh, so I looked at getting locking tuners for the SE, and then I went, "You dumbass! It's got a locking. It's got a locking nut. What do you need locking tuner for?" That's what I'm like sitting here, like, "What are you doing, Jim? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you could break that goddamn headstock off, and it's not gonna help your tuning anymore." I know. I know. As long as the locking nut stays in place, you're cool. So the other thing is I was looking at a base. So I was looking at a Synapse. Steinberger. Yep. What do you think Don't, of the Synapse? Yeah. The, the Synapse is probably okay. I, I'm looking at the, the five-string. I think it's the Synapse. It's, it runs for about $650 used. Isn't... Um, hang on a second. Uh, Do you think that, you know, what would you think of that? I, so, you do know that Kiesel is doing headless basses now, right? I know. I know. 
I would probably go Kiesel. Would I you? had I had a Steinberger Spirit, which was um, those were imports. Those were Korean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah, Synapse is American made, right? A bad guitar? No. Uh, I do not believe so. I don't think Steinberger has made anything in America in a very long time. Um, even the ZT3 was a Korean well, this guitar. This isn't new. Yeah, but the Synapse is a well, part of their like late 2000s, like early to early to mid 2000s line, oh. right? So it, I don't think, yeah, that's not like a vintage Steinberger at all. It's oh, it's it's made post Ned Steinberger working for Gibson as a consultant. Oh, um, no. that's so. They they made the ZT3, and actually, to be honest with you, I played the ZT3 a couple times. If I saw one come up used for the right price, I might buy one. Um, I have never seen one come up for the right price. Uh, the ZT3 is one of the headless headless designs, but it has a more conventional body shape. Yeah, um, it's not a bass though. It's a it's an electric guitar. Right. As far as Steinberger basses go, I mean, I don't. So I know that there's like a whole thing about Steinberger basses. And um, it, it, it's a very sterile sound to me. It is. And I, and I think that's why guys liked them was because you don't necessarily want your bass to have like a ton of character to it so much as to thunder out low end. And they were using highly active pickups and stuff to achieve that. Right. So. So what do you think of the Getty Lee signature? The made in Japan one. Oh, uh, that's a jazz bass, right? Yep. I, I rock jazz basses. So that's that's kind of my thing. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's probably cool. Is it jazz or P? Jazz. 100% jazz. Yeah, he's a jazz bass. Yeah, that's yep. right. He's a jazz bass guy. Yep. He was, so even though he used a Rick, um, he was a jazz bass guy. And apparently, now of course, this is J- Getty Lee t- telling the story. Um, there was something about the jazz that didn't, go well for touring or something and so he wound up finding the jazz that he liked before and Fender came and said hey we'll make you a new one and they made a new one and that's why you saw him playing the jazz again later because mm-hmm. he went from the the Fender jazz to a Steinberger to a um, or Fender jazz to a Rickenbacker to a Steinberger he was playing Steinberger for a while remember that yeah. in the 80s Early yeah, 90s. well, I wasn't playing one in the 80s. That's part of why. So I have a little critique of the Steinberger brand. Part of the reason why they went under is because they were giving guitars to everybody. Yeah. And that's why they could never produce enough to actually satisfy the real demand for their instrument. Really? They were basically the DeLorean of the 80s because Ned was always courting these artists to play the instruments. And a lot of they were all paying, but I'm sure they were getting discounted pricing. Oh, they yeah. got pri- they got priority, and so the guys like me, who would have been ordering one, didn't get priority. And then you're pissed, and you finally just take your money and you go elsewhere. Yep. So fast forward, company goes broke, Gibson buys them, all the parts go to Ed Roman. It's a whole, like, Oh, whole they went thing. to Ed Roman? Oh, yeah, so if you yeah. want replacement parts for uh, replacement parts for Vintage Steinberger, um, because they were patented, you had to get parts through him for a long time. Yeah, I totally rock that. Yeah, it's got the uh, '70s maple neck with yep. the the blocks. Yep, I don't know that they ever actually did guitars like that in the '70s, but you well, know what's funny, Jim? That's at the Guitar Center, like right by me. Is it really? The, oh yeah, Naperville. Yeah, yep, that is. Naperville. You could go over there and play it. Away. I ain't going to play it. 
I'll go fucking Naperville. I ain't yuppie enough to go down there. Oh my. I haven't sniffed enough corks to go to Naperville. Yes, I, they, they, they have the proper set of wine that I do not drink. Did you watch the royal wedding? Hell no. All right, good. I'm, I'm from the U.S. Do I care about the monarchy? So, but Squire is making, if you look at the Squire, um, they're making a um, 70s, they call it the vintage 70s um, base. Have you seen mm -hmm. that? And that? And it's a good instrument. I played them. Like, to be honest with you, I would, I, if I hadn't bought my Mexican bass for, I bought a Mexican jazz off somebody, uh, Ryan Sylvester was his name, and I think I paid 350 or 375 for it, and it came with, it had a aftermarket pickup that he'd had custom wound for it, and he'd done some modification work to the guitar. It plays really, really good. Actually, I bonded with the bass almost immediately, and I've never had that with a bass. So, it's, it's going to stick around. Um, but I looked at the uh, the Squire, and I was going to buy the Squire, but I decided to go ahead and just rock the Mexican one when I got it, and said, "Meh, to hell with it." So yeah, I do like that that Steinberger, the the one you sent. Yeah, it's the ZT3. Yep, the ZT3. This this is what Jim and I do when we really talk. We just fucking send each other pictures of shit that we want, yeah, and can't afford and have no business buying. Yeah, the only thing that that. Um, I always wonder about these Steinbergers. Is that kickstand? That was always a weird. Thing I, on, dude, the the one I had on my Spirit, mm -hmm. and that's a Korean guitar made to spec, was ridiculously overbuilt. Yeah, like it, it was fine. Like that thing, that thing would have lasted longer than the damn guitar did. <laughs> didn't didn't Steinberger for a while? <clears throat> wasn't that the company? And this one might have it. Yup, the Trans Tram. So they uh -huh. had the Trans Tram, which was cool. You could set up different tunings. And it was kind of like shifting a car. You shifted yep. your trim into a new tuning. Yeah, and that's why the trans trim on that guitar, that's why that ZT3 is such a cool guitar. Yep. Um, because they brought back the trans trim. They only made them for a couple of years in the 80s because they were extremely hard to make. Yeah. The thing that sucks about the trans trim is you have to have calibrated strings. Yes. So you can't use it. With your standard set of Anything. strings or an adapter. You had to buy the strings that came for it or went with it. And yeah. those were not cheap because they were double-ended, right? They were no, double-ball. They they're double-ball-ended. But yep. uh, if you look on the uh, the pictures of this guitar, yep. I don't – yeah, these are double-ball. No, I take it back. They're double-ball. Yep. And it, Labella is the only company that makes double ball anymore. I think yeah. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, because you cannot just clip strings and stick them in there and tighten them down. You have to buy the double ball. Well, strings. there is a yep. so, and he's got two a, packs of double ball Labellas with it. There is an aftermarket adapter that you can get, but the thing is, if the strings aren't calibrated, yep, then you, the trans trim is not going to work. <clears throat> Not the way that it's intended. Right. Not but to still, say that the guitar won't work. The, it's the, just the trim system on these guitars, it's since it's a, a ball bearing bridge. Yep. Like it's better than a Floyd Rose, in my opinion. It's almost like um, what's the uh, the the one bridge that that Ibanez makes that sits on? It doesn't have a knife edge. It floats on ball bearings. Uh, the oh, Cetrione. Yeah, the, um, Ibanez's own bridge, right? That's the um, yeah, the zero or whatever they call it. Yeah. I, I don't remember what they call it, but yeah, what's her name? It's is similar using it to Nita Strauss is using it in her uh, her it's, new guitar. It, yeah, that, the principle of sound: as long as your bearings last, 
Yep. That bridge should last forever. She you oil your bearings. She is famous for grabbing her guitar and she was she was doing it. She said, I just put the strings it by the on. You are. She grabbed it and went, Wah. I would not do that with a new set of strings or nothing. And she was like, Wah. <laughs> so when I bought my Charvel, because it's the only guitar I've ever owned with a Floyd on it, when yep. I bought it, I the, the way I decided I was okay with the trim because it was a licensed trim. Right. Was I literally sat there in the store and dive bombed the thing all the way down yep. and just and shook then, it. Yep. And just sat there and just Freaking went at it for a minute with, with the trim bar and then brought it back up. And as long as it was in pitch, yep. it was cool. That's and it I was. Did, I did that with this PRS. So I did the same thing in Guitar Center. I took it and I went, and, and I just, just sit there for a minute. There, left it down there, left it down there. And then you know what I did? I pulled it back. And then I yeah. dropped it down. And I yeah, said, yep, it. still in tune. It's coming yeah. home. And then it sat in a bag for as long as it took for them to get my my... Um, other Les Paul done. And then I got this and I, I take it home and sure enough, it's still in tune. All right. So we've talked about your guitars for almost the entire episode. Oh, I got some stuff. I got some. <laughs> Shut up, Jim. <laughs> you really do need that smart ass sinus procedure. Uh, I do. Uh, so I got the, so I, I, I bought that other set S500 a couple weeks ago and I had it set up and yep. I was noticing, um, it didn't sound quite the same, and which is fine. Like I kind of expected it would be different. I was I was happy with that. Right, right. But I so I leave it in my car on accident. Oh yeah. Ooh. For an afternoon at work, oh. and I go out to and when I realized I'd done it, I walked out to my car and I and I got it and brought it in. Yeah. But it was fine. Right, didn't hurt the guitar, but right. I realized I needed a neck adjustment because the neck had obviously gone wonky yep. on me. Because that's gonna happen. Yep. It wasn't hot weather. It was in a parking garage, but for whatever reason, humidity got to it. So I, I brought it home. I got all my tools out. I haven't set up a guitar, and I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, in probably 10 years now. Yep. So I, so I set it up, and I did the neck adjustment, mm -hmm. and I used my feeler gauges, which I had never actually had the opportunity to use. And um, I have to say, now that it's set up and the neck is in proper alignment, it sounds identical to my USA one. I literally identical because it's the same fucking hardware. It's the same fucking See? electronics. See now, here's the difference. Yep, my USA one is a better player. Okay, but in that what? How would how would you describe it as being a better player? Well, number one, it's it's got an all maple neck, so it it doesn't slow me down as much. Um, I find that I know a lot of people like unfinished rosewood, or or and in this case, this is a cherry board. Yep. Um, your fingers fly across it. I'm so used to playing maple that it feels weird to me. Yep. And it feels like it feels rougher. Yep. And so I tend to like notice that and it stops my playing a little bit. But the other thing is um it has a different neck shape and a different uh well the radius is the same. It's got a different neck shape. And I think that's what really what really kind of bogs me down. The uh the USA one's a little bit fatter, more more towards the Gibson side, but still like in the vein of a fender. Yep. Um but it's yeah, it's just a different neck shape, and I prefer the USA one. Um, there, the sound is not completely one hundred percent there, but like it's, it's really, really close. I don't. I mean, I got a recording. You're probably going to be able to tell a difference, but it's not going to be night and day. Yeah, like you're going to go, that's an S five hundred, and that's an S five hundred. You know, right. and then you know, it's not going to be like, oh, that's the blue one. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Now, in a blind taste test, so to speak, not for you, for us. If we, if you did a similar thing to what I did, yeah, you should you should do that. You should record uh, 
the two. I should. I'm not going to do it in this episode. Maybe no, we'll no, do no, it. not this episode. You do it, and then for next week, let's... Or I'll post it in the Facebook group. Yeah, let's put That's it up there option. and have people give it a listen and say, hey, which one is which? That sounds cool. Yeah, because, um, I mean, you know, it, it, the, the thing that um, people always are, are always asking, and there's really no right answer, by the way, but they're always asking, well, if I want to play um, uh, metal, what guitar should I get? What pickup should I get? What this and what? In all reality, this is what's going to happen. I, I should record on like five different guitars and play, because in all reality, I'll sound more, more or less like me no matter what. And yeah. there are going to be slight differences. There will always be differences. You know what? You know what these guys on YouTube do, and and this is something that I know I do. Uh, I'm sure David does this, whether it's conscious or not. You tend to play a certain guitar a certain way because yep. that's what you do. I did not buy um, a guitar with a with a um, Floyd Rose Trem to play it. You know, like an acoustic. I'm gonna. And it's not, Jim. It's not so much a head trip thing either. A lot of it can be physical. Yes. It, it is exactly, and, and that's the other side of it. That's the other side of things. The CE has a different feel on the neck. There's good. There's definitely something that makes it to where I play differently. The same goes with the with the ESP now, <clears throat> and the and the Strat and the Rick and everything. The point I'm making here is you cannot um uh put yourself into a um into a you know, the, a, a little box and say, this guitar is the best guitar for metal. It's the guitar that you play best to play metal. Right? Right. Now. Yeah, go ahead. So, so I've followed you completely. Um, I just want to kind of share my experiences. So all of my guitars, the three guitars I play now, not all of them, but the three guitars I play most now all have a 12 inch radius. My SG, both my S500s are 12 inch radius. Um, I will say that, yes, I should approach these instruments in playing them the same way. My SG is a 24 with a 24 and three quarter scale length, Gibson scale length. So that immediately changes everything. When when you get a 24 and three quarter and you go from a 25 and a half. You literally, everything becomes springier. And I'm playing with the same gauges on everything. And I just do that for parody reasons. If I, if I want to go grab a set of strings, I just grab a set of tens. That's right. that's just what I do. Right. And I don't, I, I'm not one of these guys that says that using tens on my SG is really affecting my tone significantly enough to worry about going to 11s. So if I wanted to match tension, maybe I go to 10 and a half or 11s, but I'm, I'm on tens. And that being said, I get a way slinkier sound, more like um, more connected, more legato coming out of my SG than I do out of my S500s. Now, that's not to say I can't attempt and, and accomplish the same things, but I do it different ways. On the S500, because it's got a floating bridge, I can kind of approximate that wild vibrato by using that to my advantage, not using the trim bar. But just right. using the fact that the bridge goes boop, 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 the whole time I'm playing it. Right. So well, it, it's just different a, ways to accomplish the same things. Right. 
Right. And and those things are um, things you you take into account as you play. Mm-hmm. Floating sure. bridge. A floating bridge. What's different about a floating bridge when you're bending versus a... You uh, bend harder. Yeah. There you go. If you've got a floating bridge and you're bending the string um, versus doing a, a bend on a um, uh, fixed bridge, you're going to have a different reaction, a different feel. Now, now, I've been playing 10s long enough. I'm actually thinking about moving up to 11s on <laughs> all my guitars. The thing is, I know that my hands are going to hurt to get to get the muscle needed to actually do bending. On I'm actually thinking about going to eights. You take your one to go down, and I'm like, "Fuck this! This is not manly enough. Let's go higher." I must have no. manly strings. I don't think I'm going to though, because I think it's actually going to tamper with the tonality of what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm going to get a lot more mid range, and I got too much mid range in my rig already, so I need to probably back off on that. Yeah. Yeah, the thing oh. is that I uh, I played when I was a kid. I played eights when I was little. I played eights before. Yeah. Um, I have I have some topic stuff sitting here. Maybe we should address these before we go. Yeah, because we're we're getting down to the wire here. So, Jim, you and I tried something the other day that one of our listeners suggested. I think we yes. had a pretty positive experience with it. We did, and we met um, we met a guy online. Yeah, who had way better tone than us. Uh, yep. Um, we used a thing called Jam Kazam. Um, and we're going to be putting it more into use uh, in the future. Uh, we'll be inviting some of you to... Yeah, uh, we're, not sure, we're not sure how we're going to use it yet, but we are going to use it. Yep. Um, it's kind of weird because you can be sitting there in a jam session and then somebody just jumps in. Well, we did, we had an open room. Right. I said I said it is open yep. just to see what would happen. I didn't even know if there was anybody like that. We had a trombone the player. Didn't look, <laughs> yeah, he never did say anything. The service didn't like. It doesn't look like it's super popular. There's not a lot of guys jumping in and out of these open rooms. No, nope. but it's getting used because there's enough people that they were popping into our open room and like, hey, what's going on? And then he had his rig all hooked up and he was like, let's go. Yeah, so. and we played a cool uh, one four five uh, thing, kind of jammed. Yep, over, uh, yeah, two different ones. I like the way he voiced the second one. That was all me, Jim. Oh, that was you? Yes. That was you playing the rhythm? I thought that yeah, was him God. playing the rhythm. No, that was me playing the rhythm. So that was him playing the solos? And, well, I played two of the solos, but yeah, it was mostly me on rhythm and that. On both of them. <laughs> Does that surprise you, Jim? Did I actually know how to play rhythm? You, no, it surprised me that you bothered playing rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> I knew somebody well, was noodling away. That that was the other thing. You can't really tell um, unless you're doing a um, with the video as well. Well, we we didn't take the that. time to set up the mixer and stuff because right. it's like the, the program. So the way that so the way that it works is you you dial up the system and then like it it uses your inbuilt audio hardware. It tells you what your latency is. If your latency is over a certain point, Jim, it'll actually tell you you can't do it. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> which I was. So, uh, I was not. I, I did some. I did some searching and looked up some information on the software. They haven't beaten the latency thing in any way. What they've done is basically said we're going to rate you, and you're only going to be able to play with people who would, you know, would be close enough for the latency to work. Right. And what they basically have done is said, okay, so at minimum you can have a, or at maximum you can have thirty milliseconds of latency. There you go. Now, for for uh, a musician. 30 milliseconds of latency is noticeable. Yes. It's lag. It is. Okay? It's a lot. Now, for the purposes of this, though, it just means you're going to be a little bit sloppier. Yeah. Like, your band's going to sound sloppy, but yeah. it's a jam. I could tell when we were getting loose, when the latency started to come 
out. Oh, sure. Because if one person's yeah. latent and the other person's latent and the other person's latent, that adds up. Um, mm -hmm. But I got to say that it was fun. You know, three people in a jam. It was fun. Um, yeah, and if was really playing good. to a backing track, it's kind of fun, too, because we did that as well. Oh, yeah. And so you can you can upload your own backing track. Well, upload it as in play it. Um, so you host your own backing track. We were able to do that without having to switch who was hosting. Um, mm -hmm. And It uh, is video enabled. We didn't get that to work. Yeah, we didn't um, try to do that yet. That's that's something we're gonna have to try when I get moved here later this week. But one of the things that um, uh, we looked at for this is we want to try to bring some of you into the you know the practical guitarist. Let's have some jams. Let's do this. Yeah, let's because one of the things we've always talked about on the show is we're not a gear podcast. Like right. we do talk a lot about gear and. We're trying to find ways to branch out and to actually demonstrate things. Jim's getting into a new house. Yep. He's upgrading his studio setup, so hopefully we can do some demonstration stuff as part of the show. Yep. Um, even if we get a new piece of gear, if we just play it on the show or whatever and then talk about it and what it means to us and how we use it. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, there's tons of people doing gear demos. We're not looking to do that. We're kind of doing the uh, practical side of things. But so part of the reason... Part of the reason, and sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, part of the ahead. reason that, that the podcast medium is such a big deal to me is like you'd think, oh, I'm going to do a guitar podcast. I'm actually going to demonstrate stuff because it's audio, right? Right. No one's doing that. Right. Very few people are actually doing that via via podcasting. Yeah. There's guys doing it on YouTube, but I, I, I personally, I think that's like, w what's wrong with you? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird that we don't have more of that. There is a there is a podcast. Um, I'll have to give it to you so you can link it in the show notes. That they do the the guy goes to his his lesson every week, and his lesson is the podcast. Cool. So I think I think that's kind of cool. We want to do something like that, as in you know start to use these things and start to play and, um, you know. We're looking to build a community to support our podcast. We right. want to like involve you guys, which is why we've done some of these listener suggestion shows and stuff. Um, and so in order for us to do that, we need to find tools to outreach to you. Right. It was suggested to one of our by one of our members of the group that Jam Kazam might be something cool for us. And I think it is. Um, yeah. I, I actually played with the software a while ago and was not terribly impressed. I am surprised but, at the number of people not using it. Yeah, now I'm Honestly. now it's mature enough that it's like why are why is this not like more popular than it is? Um, so so we're gonna we're gonna try to integrate it more. We're gonna try yep. to integrate more of you um, because we want uh, we want that. Wouldn't it have been cool we, to jam? We with, want to achieve with Michael Bedio. Wouldn't it have been cool? Fuck yeah, would have. That would have been fucking cool. Yeah. So we want to jam with you because it would be fucking cool. That's what we that's what we think and that's what we um, we believe totally. It's so fucking cool. So I've fuck. been Jim. And I've been fucking David. And we've been the fucking practical fucking guitarists. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get our NC-17 rating yet? <laughs> I'm sure we, we are plenty past the explicit at this point. <laughs>